1: Welcome to the NFL DFS preview, uh, podcast preview. I'm, uh, I'm stuck in baseball mode. I'm used to saying the uh, RotoWire Fantasy Baseball podcast. It's Scott Jentsted. Uh I'm joined tonight by Vlad Sedler. We are going to be bringing you a preview of the NFL slate every single week uh, with a DFS slant. Mostly talking FanDuel, but uh, you know some of the other sides also as well. But uh, hopefully really breaking down the slate for you. We'll be doing it every Wednesday night, going through each position, uh, talking about who we like, who we don't like. Uh, both of us thought we would uh, jump on early in the preseason here to kind of talk about some general basic DFS stuff, introduce ourselves to who we are, um, kind of talk about uh, maybe how, how you start going about uh, breaking down a slate, looking at positions, that kind of stuff. Um, Vlad, how are you? You're not uh, generally a, a regular guy in the podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners?
2: What is up, everybody? Vlad Sedler here, uh, longtime Rotowire wire writer and uh, good friend of Scott Jenstads actually. We've... Um, you know, we've known each other for about 15 years um, as, as fantasy love has it sometimes and met on a, uh, a message board over at a game called CDM Sports. Um, they call it the granddaddy of fantasy sports, a, a salary cap baseball football game uh, since then became good friends. Um, I feel like we have a good rapport. And I think for that reason, uh, you'll probably be entertained uh, with our show this year, especially since we do have some uh some different points of view at times um we'll try not to let it get too heated but um <laughs> for the most part <laughs> i think you should enjoy uh enjoy what we have in store uh this year so yeah why don't
1: you tell us like are you uh, i know you play a lot of season long you play some dfs you can see yourself kind of uh kind of both do you prefer one for football where do you fall kind of in the football game selection uh landscape
2: so when it comes to football uh DFS is where it's at, at least for me. Um, it's a somewhat of a transition over the years. I do still play uh, some high stakes fantasy football, um, as I do with you. We, you know, travel to Vegas every year and go out and draft there. Still have my home leagues. The season long is uh, still a really important aspect of uh, what I do, but I feel lately, at least over the last couple of years, it's almost been a supplement um, to my DFS. And it's. I think that's really just because I love the action. Um, you know, I love watching the live scoring tick. Um, you know, I've had some success in it, and and really really enjoy it. And so, uh, I've been playing DFS uh, since it started. In terms of football, um, a little bit more seriously over the last couple of years. Um, I've had. Uh, I guess I can consider myself more of a uh, tournament GPP type of player, though I definitely do enjoy to play cash games. Um, and also have had some success in some of those bigger tournaments, like the DraftKings Millionaire Maker. Uh, had a couple of uh, close calls, didn't quite hit those seven figures, but um, you know, hopefully, we'll we'll uh, try to dabble in, into some of that for this year.
1: Yeah, I've kind of come come around the same way. I mean, you know me well. I've always been kind of a season long guy, and for baseball, I still really very much am. I, you know, I'm more of a season long guy for baseball than DFS, but. You know, football is really built for DFS. It's so, uh, you know, everything is so focused on that one week at hand from breaking down the slate to picking players. I mean, football is just kind of a one-week-at-a-time kind of game. And I do still love season-long, but, you know, the injuries got frustrating for me. Uh, a couple years ago, I took Adrian Peterson the first round when he, uh, he had the child abuse stuff. And, you know, suddenly you lose your first-round pick for the whole year, and it's it's just a frustrating uh, – it's, it's a tough game to recover when you get someone injured. So I have shifted to uh, – to DFS a bunch in football I think it's really built for it and I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you like you said we kind of have different ways we approach things Um, you're probably a little more on the uh, contrarian wild side I'm a little more kind of the conservative boring side so I think it'll be kind of a it'll be a pretty good mix we both had kind of success Uh, we both had some success last year you won a a big GPP you won't say it so I'll say it for you Uh, I came in second in a big GPP on FanDuel and won a bunch of money so we both had some success last year Kind of with our own approaches, so I think it'll be a good uh, a good meld of uh, different approaches, and you know I think we end up coming to the same spot a lot. But there are a lot of weeks where we disagree on guys, and it's always interesting that you know some weeks we're both right, some weeks we're both wrong, some weeks it's one and one. But it's uh it should be a fun uh, fun combo. I look forward to doing it with you. Absolutely. So uh, you know, kind of kind of just a schedule what we'll be doing. I we're gonna uh, record every Wednesday night. Uh, we're gonna break down the entire slate. We'll probably, uh, you know, very lightly touch on the Thursday and Monday night games, just because those don't uh, those don't come into the, the all the main slates on uh, on Fanduel or on uh, DraftKings or any other sites. We'll kind of hit all the Sunday games. We'll break them down. We'll look at games. We'll look at defenses. We'll look at uh, you know who we like to go off, who we like to surprise. We'll go position by position. Really, kind of uh, you know get really get really down and dirty with the slate every week. So that'll be Wednesday nights. Um, so Vlad, you mentioned kind of GPP and cash. Um, when you, do you play, are you one that plays different lineups in each of those? How do you kind of attack, um, your kind of game selection when you, when you're sitting down to, to play on Sunday?
2: Well, I think it's really important for, for players, especially people, you know, we're going to have a different range of, um, you know, expertise level. But I think for the most part, a lot of people that are listening are fans of football, have played fantasy football and have had some exposure to DFS. And of course, listening to the, this, the, the podcast and, and reading all, all the, uh, the the information that we have on the site, want to get better, want to be able to find that edge, um, you know, to beat people out in some of these large field tournaments, to have consistency um, with cash games and, um, you know, to be able to, you know, to make some money this year, essentially. Um, you know, for me, uh, I definitely like to play um, a good chunk of cash. Uh, probably, I would say I probably play a little bit less than I would recommend somebody, Um, you know sort of starting up for the first time or uh, you know really to any of the listeners but I think for the most part um, with cash games you really want to have somewhere between you know say if you got $100 going in probably want to play maybe anywhere from 60 to 80 of those dollars 60 to 80 percent and then basically use the rest in some smaller um, entry tournaments uh, you know, throw some some stacks out there, uh, you know, try to chase a big GPP. It's really a matter of what, you know, people are looking to accomplish. You know, there could be some that, you know, don't mind burning a few dollars every week and just want to play GPP only. And, you know, that's absolutely fine. Um, but truly the best way uh, is, is to establish a base with your cash game lineups, play it a little bit safe with those, and then take your shots um, and take some of your chances with the GPP lineups.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's good advice. Just in case anybody's really a, a new a new player, uh, cash games are the uh, the double ups, the uh, the triple ups games where you know somewhere between you know, something like fifty percent of the people are winning their money back. So if you pay a twenty dollar double up and you finish in the top half, you you get twenty bucks profit. Um, you know, it's twenty dollars or zero, but you only have to finish in the top half of the tournament to win. Whereas the GPPs, you're talking like you got to be top twelve to fifteen percent, and even those, you know, you got to be top two three percent to really make any real money. They're they're really they're really uh, weighted towards the top there, but. You know, if you do have that one big week, that's where you can make a lot of money. Um, so do you do you enter different lineups for cash and GBP? Do you stick them in both? How do you kind of handle the, uh, the the different formats there?
2: Uh, I think, you know, I, for the most part with the cash game lineups, um, you know, I like to I like to play one cash game lineup uh, for the week. Sometimes I'll go into two if, you know, for example, there's a, a wide receiver or two wide receivers of similar price points um, that I want to have exposure to, you know, or perhaps a, a quarterback wide receiver stack. Um, and same thing with perhaps, um, you know, two different running backs that I like that I want to have exposure to. But I think for right. the most part, um, you know, I've got my my standard lineup in for cash. Um, you know, with those lineups, I'm essentially looking to, you know, I'm looking for players that are going to provide me, um, essentially two times the salary in terms of points. So, you know, if you got, um, Sean McCoy in, in week one, going up against the jets, uh, 8,500, uh, in week one, which I'm sure we'll get into the players later, um, you know, in the coming weeks, you know, I'm, I'm looking for essentially 15 to 17 points out of him. And if I don't think I'm going to get that, that's not going to be my guy there. And so, um, with the gpp lineups um this is where i really sort of you know delve into the uh you know the the offenses and the teams i like and uh like to have some sort of uh you know correlation um which i'm sure we'll, we'll touch on in a minute um you know with with quarterbacks with their receivers uh with their tight ends and um you know of course running backs that are heavy favorites
1: yeah that uh, that makes a lot of sense and uh, i think we'll start with uh you know, looking at some scoring, we'll talk about Fanduel first. They are a, a sponsor for the podcast. We appreciate that uh, from Fanduel there. So, Fanduel, there's uh, in the lineup. There's there's no flex players. You do play with a kicker, and the most important thing I think is that uh, Fanduel only a half point PPR. So you get a half point per reception. So that's pretty significant when you're looking at uh, looking at your receivers, looking at your running backs who catch balls out of the backfield. Make sure you know your scoring. It's one of those things that uh, on other, uh, you know, DraftKings is a full point PPR. Some other sites are different. Make sure you, you know each scoring because there's definitely a, definitely a different way, different one of the way you set lineups uh, with different scoring. And the, the no flex is important too. You don't get that extra offensive player. Uh, the kicker gets to be important too. I've uh, I've won and lost some uh, some weeks based on uh, you know picking a bad kicker, or picking a good kicker. So, um, you know, I wouldn't uh, you know throw it away and, and pick the cheap, cheapest kicker. We'll just we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, important to know your scoring system is kind of that kind of the first main point I have.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, especially on Fanduel where you've got a it's a half point for, uh, half point PPR and you don't have the flex, there's really a lot less of a reliance on the pass catching backs. You know your guys like Danny Woodhead now on the Ravens, uh, CJ ProSize, who I think is going to have a nice little season this year, um, and it's almost you're sort of relying on uh, on, on figuring out where. Uh, where the touchdowns are going to come from, and of course, predicting touchdowns is a is a feat all of all it in itself, and um, right. could be difficult at times. But you know, if you're able to, you know, basically figure out where, you know, looking at the Vegas totals, figuring out where you think the points are are going to be scored, and uh, you know the, the the running backs and receivers and tight ends that are going to get the touches and the targets, you can sort of uh, you know follow follow down that path. And so, you know, uh, over on the other side on DraftKings, it's a little bit more where, you know, you can get these wood, high, wood heads and, and pro sizes uh, involved a little bit more on your lineups.
1: Yeah, that uh, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So uh, as, we, uh, as we go through the podcast uh, each week, We'll focus on the uh, focus on Fanduel, but we'll also point out uh, if we see there's a you know a real a bargain we like at uh, DraftKings or Yahoo. We'll you know, we'll definitely point that out if they haven't adjusted pricing up for someone who's uh, taken over the starting job or had some good weeks. We'll definitely point that out. We will focus mostly on the Fanduel pricing, the Fanduel setup. Um, you mentioned stacking and correlation before. Uh, stacking is when you, you take multiple players from one team. Um, you know the the the, the basic stack is, is quarterback and receiver. You know if you're playing in a GPP, a big tournament you know, you're going to have to go off during a week to really win a lot of money. And the best way to do that is suddenly you get a touchdown pass from your quarterback to your receiver. That's suddenly two touchdowns instead of one. If you can suddenly get two of those, you know, suddenly you got four touchdowns really quick from guys. Uh, you know, big weeks I've had, it's usually because my quarterback throws three or four touchdowns, two of them to my receiver. You know, if you if you really like a cheap receiver on a team, you know, take someone like the Saints as an example. You could go with a, a Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn kind of thing. And, you know, Brees throws four and two to each of them. Suddenly you got a big step up on the competition. So um, how do you how do you come on stacking? Is, are you are you someone who takes you know automatic? I'm taking quarterback receiver every single week, or uh, do you kind of play it by ear? Where do you come at, where are you coming down on that one?
2: So for me, whether it's a cash game or uh, or or, or a GPP or a tournament, um, I'm essentially looking for um, at least one. Quarterback wide receiver stack. Um, that's just sort of the way it's always um, always filled out for me because of you know just because of that du- direct correlation um, that you mentioned. Uh, in cash games, I'm going to be less likely to uh, you know play a second receiver on, on a team. You know, as you mentioned, like the, like the New Orleans Saints this year with uh, you know not necessarily going to go with like a Michael Thomas with Drew Brees along with Willie Sneed and Ted Ginn. Um, I know you had a big week like that last year. Um, you know that helped you clean up in a in a, in a tournament uh, but for my cash games um, it, you know it, if something happens with that offense um, that doesn't go as planned um, all of a sudden you're looking at uh, you know not cashing even in your cash games in your 50 50s and so um, I really you know because there are so many games and so many uh, potential points out there um, you know I really sort of like to spread it out for the uh, for the cash games in tournaments in that case um, you know I'm looking for those couple of offenses um, that I really like that week. Uh, offenses uh, or games that I think are going to be ex- extremely competitive and close, um which obviously is really important in in terms of um, you know, seeing quarterbacks on the opposite ends, airing it out and 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 um, you know really putting up the points and seeing scores go for over fifty plus points. Um those are the cases where I'll probably have, um, Some more correlation in in terms of, uh, you know, a quarterback with a wide receiver in their tight end or a quarterback with a couple of receivers. And in a lot of cases, perhaps in a game that I expect to be a shootout, uh, a wide receiver on the other end, on the other team um, to sort of keep keep that production and matching. And I know that's a strategy that's worked out well in tournaments.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm a fan of that one, too. Um, in any kind of tournament, I'm almost always going with the quarterback and receiver together. I just think it's uh, it's really hard to uh, to win a big tournament without having some sort of quarterback-wide receiver correlation there. I don't often go with the third guy on the team. I will sometimes if it's a, a cheap tight end or maybe a cheap receiver. I think going to get some volume. How do you fall on uh, correlating and stacking with running backs? Uh, you know, running backs, obviously, if uh, – If a guy's going to get, you know, 150 yards on the ground and three touchdowns, you know, there's not a lot left for the quarterback or receiver. Um, Are you one who tends to, uh, you know, want your running backs to be on themselves and not correlate with anybody else? Or how do you deal with that?
2: You know, it's it's funny. Uh, I think in cash games, for the most part, I'm not not going to take a quarterback uh, receiver and running back all from the same team. But uh, there definitely were a few cases last year. And really, it just sort of depends on the offenses. I I, I think the New Orleans Saints were a great example of that. I mean, there were definitely uh, several weeks where, you know, Drew Brees, Mark Ingram and you know Michael Thomas or Willie Sneed all were part of that lineup that, you know, was winning your tournaments and, 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 you know, was up in the top 1%. Um, So I think there are a lot of examples like that. Um, It's not something that I necessarily, uh, you know, uh, target. But if you're expecting a team to put up, you know, 30, 40 points and you want to have exposure to, you know, the main keys, uh, main pieces of that offense, that can really work, especially if you have running backs who also catch a lot of balls out of the backfield as well.
1: Yeah, one I like actually to kind of do uh, on Fandos, I like to go running back and defense because uh, they kind of come together with what I'm looking for. You know, I want a running back who has a team that's going to have a lead. Um, you know, with that comes a good, comes a good defense. I, I think that running back and defense come, sometimes can come together really well, and you can you can really profit there as, you, as your uh, as your defense plays well and holds the team to other points uh, to low points. You know, your running back suddenly does really well too. So if I'm going to go with a running back and put someone on the same team, uh, defense is kind of usually the one I pair it with.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's definitely a a smart play. And I think it's a great play, especially for uh, for cash games. And I think a lot of times, obviously, we're looking at, uh, you know, teams that maybe have a that are a touchdown or so favorite um, that you expect to maybe milk the clock down in, in the second half. And, uh, you know, perhaps put it in a position where the opposing team is going to try to, you know, air it out and to try to catch up and potentially make some mistakes, um, you know, perhaps get a get a pick six or something, get some extra points out of your defense. So um, definitely a strong correlation there between the uh, running back and the defense.
1: Oh, yeah. Give me uh, give me My defense against Blake Bortles all day long. I love it.
2: <laughs> if he starts, that is. Well, let's see. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, you know, that also, is true too. So uh Good. Oh, no, I think, yeah, I think we have a lag. Now I was just going to say, you know, same thing with, um, you know, uh, can have a little bit of correlation there with the, with the tight ends. Um, You know, I'm sure we'll jump into tight ends in a bit, but um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, you know, got guy like, you know, Travis Kelsey, who, you know, essentially is almost like a wide receiver one. I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, working all the, you know, up and down the field, a guy that's going to get five to 10 targets a game, um, you know, really stepping up, looking to be like, you know, looking to be one of a, you know, top two or three, um, you know, tight ends this year. Um, so I'm not afraid to go with, uh, you know, in, in a specific game that works for me, um, you know, like a Smith, uh, Tyree Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey uh, w- with a receiver on the other side of the field type of correlation in a, in a tournament.
1: Yeah, and I'm the same way. If there's a tight end I really like, I sometimes will just go quarterback and tight end. I don't have to have quarterback receiver. Uh, with someone like Gronk or Kelsey or even maybe a Jordan Reed if I like him one week, you know, I'll go Cousins and Reed and take three receivers from another team. So I don't think you're – you don't have to have a quarterback with a receiver, but you can have a quarterback with a receiver or a big tight end. Something like that is usually a pretty good way to kind of start building your tournament team. You have to think about, you know, do I fade that kind of guy? Do I want to take a risk and fade that? So I don't do it with any player. Good players I really want. I tend to think that the, that, uh, the guys are not that high percentage. Other sports like basketball and baseball, you get much higher percentage than you do in football, especially when, in a week where there's no buys, that kind of stuff, where you have a lot of games to choose from. Um, cheap, cheap running backs kind of the one spot where I, I worry about chalk a little bit. I know you're a little more of a chalk uh, avoider,
2: so uh, where do you fall on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, for fade the chalk. No, for uh, <laughs> cash games, essentially – um, I'm not really too worried about it. I'm just looking to put in the guys that I think are going to give me, uh, you know, you know, two times their their salary uh, with tournaments. Um, I definitely think it's a blend. Uh, you can have a little bit of chalk. I think the the cheap, obvious chalk is the really dumb chalk to fade. Um, you know, I think it was last week, maybe somewhere around week 12 or so, um, you know, when, um, you know, CJ Proceis was essentially starting. And, you know, he was like, you know. F- four thousand, five thousand, like, you know, close to minimum salary on both sides. And he was pretty much a must play. And there's, you know, examples of that all the time. Um, you know, we might see and I'm not, not quite sure what a Darren McFadden's salary is right now off the bat. But you, you can probably imagine there's going to be a lot of chalk um, you know, going there. Um, you know, it's really not a place you want a uh, cheap chalk, is, especially at running back, is not a spot you necessarily want to uh, go against the grain on. Um, that's sort of where you want to go in terms of your, uh, you know, correlation stacks with, uh, the, the passing game, the, you know, the quarterbacks and receivers. And, you know, like you mentioned, there are, uh, you know, a bunch of games going on on a Sunday, you'll have 10 or 11 on the, you know, the, the 10 AM, um, you know, West coast time, 1 PM, uh, East coast. And, uh, you know, a few games going on after that for the afternoon games, plus the Sunday night game, there are a lot of spots to get creative, um. And as people start to read things over the course of the week, um, I feel like, you know, brain power all starts to collect and, yep. and, and people start thinking really the same. And so it's really important to, you know, try to, you know, sort of start your, your research and, and find the information that you need early on before you start reading stuff. And I know, you know, you, you as well are, are somebody that, you know, uh, besides being super stubborn, that's a whole different story altogether, <laughs> um, you know, will I'm sure, not. I'm sure we'll get into know, that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're not going to read, it. You, you know, you sort of have your ideas formed um, before you start reading other people's stuff and seeing what's out there. And and I think that's super important. And and so, I, you know, I don't know if you do this, but one of the things that I do, um, you know, starting on a Monday, uh, you know, I will take a look at write down all the matchups, put all the games, you know, write all the games down and then figure out on my own where I think the lines are going to fall and what the totals are going to be. And I think that's important before you actually go in and look at it, because, um, you you know, if you're looking at it right away um, and and you see like, you know, New Orleans, Atlanta game is, you know, a 54 total. You can pretty much assume what it is. Um, But these are spots where you can find um, where you like a game more or like the game less based on Vegas totals. And with people looking at Vegas totals more and more often and really a lot of times just simply making decisions based on that and just stacking games with, you know, that are projected 50 plus points. um, There's always a game that, you know, that surprises or that's off the radar. And that's a game that you may be able to find earlier in the in the week. Um, that you start kind of studying and paying more attention to that perhaps other people won't be on and might be, you know, like a 5% or a 10% stack.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really good advice. I think that I that's one of those things that I might actually do this year and t- try and look at the totals before the game starts. Uh, it's funny. You and I might be the only two people left in America that actually write stuff down ever.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah.
1: I do. Uh, I do the same thing. I do the same thing in baseball. I write down everything. I do it in football too. It kind of helps me. Uh, helps me kind of formulate and think. But uh, I'm probably a little bit later on in the week that you are. I usually don't look at all until maybe Tuesday night. I like to uh, then look at a slate really fresh. I try and not read anything. Um, before I, I kind of look at the slate originally, as the week goes on, I'll read a lot of injury notes. Uh, that's really obviously important to me. Um, you know, you're you're trying to find guys who are going to suddenly fall in some playing time. But um, as the week goes on, I, there's a few podcasts I listen to. Hopefully, everybody listens to this one. Uh, but I like to I like to at least start with my really uh, fresh of my own opinions, and I don't change a lot during the week. You know, if, if someone makes a compelling case, someone I trust, you know, I may I may take another sit down and look at a game again. But I really try and formulate my own opinion on on Tuesday night, and then I uh, kind of go from there.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, how do you, how do you usually work it with, um, you know, like Sunday mornings? Like, do you, do you tweak your teams in the morning? Um, you know, what type of news affects you that'll make you like, want to change a whole, a whole team out? How how do you work with that?
1: Yeah, I'm a little different. I like to, I kind of figure out the players I like during the week, but then I usually sit down Sunday morning and kind of Really piece together my final lineup, so I usually won't have my final lineup set until Sunday morning. I know that frustrates you when you want to talk uh, talk about lineups, but uh, <laughs> I usually I usually like to sit out sit down a couple hours before game starts. You know, put uh, put the pregame show on, see what uh, who's inactive, who's active, but really kind of try and piece together. I think weather is very important too, and I like to get the weather reports in the morning. You know, I really want games that are you know obviously indoors, the weather doesn't matter. I like that, and then any kind of good weather. But if you've got wind and rain, you know, suddenly it affects a whole game. So I really like to. I, uh, I kind of formulate my opinions uh, you know, by doing season-long and doing uh, free agent pickups. I kind of know who I like each week, and I look at all the games, and you know, we'll do the podcast, so I'll know generally who I like at what position, but I won't kind of piece together my final lineup usually until Sunday morning to kind of try to find that perfect uh, way that everybody guys fit together, especially if a cheap guy emerges. you know, All of a sudden, you're kind of tweaking back and forth, and, and I like to know who I like, and then I'll piece it together on Sunday morning. Uh, I, I imagine you're a little bit more of a, a planner than I am.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I think I'm really getting better at is, um, the, the last minute tweaking. Um, and, and I think one of the things that, uh, at least for the West coast people that I recommend is, you know, obviously I don't want to, you know, take up your, your Saturday night and you want to go out and you have fun, uh, especially if you're single and, you know, you want to have a couple of drinks or whatnot, but you know, myself and my older age, I guess you could say 38 now. Um, you know, the, the Sunday mornings, having that clarity, uh, is really, really important to me. And so I'm not going to stop myself from going out on a Saturday night if I want to, but if I can hit the gym in this on Sunday morning, if I can, you know, be as fresh, you know, have that clarity that perhaps there's some stacks that hadn't come to me yet, um, ready to go for that morning. What I like to do is though I will set a lot of my lineups, um, over the, the few days before that, especially my cash lineup and have it set. I always like to have a couple of shell lineups uh, in, in entries that I, I've already entered in, but don't actually have a lineup set. And when that Sunday morning clarity comes to me, uh, I'll read the news, I'll check the inactives, um, maybe something new emerges, and you know, sort of pop that in uh, as a lineup. And so. That's another thing that I think is important. If you're, it's really, really easy to put in all this week during the week, and of course we're waiting for football all week. Right. And a lot of people are, you know, playing Thursday slates, um, you know, the early slate and whatnot, um, and we're building our lineups. And then Sunday morning happens, and it's just a complete, you know, s show. And uh, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, you, everything that you've worked hard to put together all week is completely different. The games start ten minutes in, the guy you took out scores a touchdown, and your Sunday is ruined. And so the best way to do that have those shell lineups uh, open. Um, so you have some clarity on Sunday, then you can make some changes. But your hard work during the week needs to be rewarded with what you think and what you originally uh, put in.
1: I think that's that's very important. And you know, I'd say that I like to piece things together Sunday. You know, I've done all my prep work ahead of time. I'm literally just piecing together combos. The only thing I'll really let affect me on Sunday morning in terms of putting new guys in my lineup is an injury um, or some kind of crazy weather in one of the games. Like if I have a quarterback and the weather looks really windy and rainy, you know, I'll punt to a different game. You know, quarterback's too important. Um, you know, guys still, still might be good, but I like to take that element uh, out of the mix. So um, usually an injury where a cheap guy emerges and get a lot of volume or weather is kind of the only way I'll really tweak from who I like on Sunday morning. I always like to piece together Sunday morning I like to kind of take that quiet time uh, I have a 21 21 month old so I don't get a lot of those quiet times but uh, Sunday morning is usually a pretty good time you know kind of two hours before the game kind of really get uh you know it's, it's my clarity just kind of in a different way but uh what about uh, like late swapping do you uh you know aside from an injury is there anything that you uh, you'll late swap an afternoon or an evening game for any kind of strategy reasons or are you strictly a, I like who I like my lineup's good only if the guy gets hurt am I gonna swap uh, or inactive or something like that I'm gonna swap out
2: uh, well, I mean, it's for injury primarily, um, but I, you know, occasionally uh, for, for, for the, the afternoon games, if I'm off to a really hot start with a tournament team or, um, you know, looking to make some sort of change on a Sunday night, um, I think that works for tournaments where, uh, you know, where you could see, uh, you know, almost, you know, the player minutes left, you know, the, see in advance on a Sunday night game, um, you know, say you're up there in a tournament and you have somebody in your lineup, um, let's say, uh you know it's the, the Chicago Bears, you have Cameron Meredith in your lineup, and uh, you have a feeling just sort of looking at the lineups around you that most other people have Cameron Meredith as well. And so at that point you're perhaps looking to, You know, pivot in in a way that might get you to the top quicker because you know to to have that little bit of a a contrarian edge is is important when you know in terms of game theory and things like that. And so you know, putting in a Kevin White as long as he's healthy that week, we know he's probably going to (laughs) miss half the year. Yeah, um, you know, might be an opportunity. Or you know, on on the opposite end, say they're playing the you know, playing the dolphins and, you know, everybody has Devonte Parker because he's all the rage this year. Nobody loves Landry anymore. You pop in your 4% Landry, take yourself to the top of that tournament win. Um, you know, just occasionally finding ways to, um, to be different when it's strategic, um, but not out of the, out of the way crazy. And, uh, and I think you remember my story from, from three years ago, oh, yeah. um, that one, yeah, the, the tournament when I was, uh, right there in the mix for um you know for a million bucks and um I had Demarius Thomas in my lineup was planning to switch out for Des Bryant in the evening game. I did not. I left Demarius in. He he was great, scored two touchdowns, um, you know, got me up there up into the uh the top five. Uh but of course Des Bryant ended up uh, topping him and scoring three touchdowns that evening. <laughs> I never did make the swap. And you know me, I could be very, you know, I have been swap happy in the past. I've definitely right. got a lot more a lot more uh, responsible in that respect. But, um, you know, that was a, a $90,000 difference that I won't forget. But then again, I'm not going to let it affect me what I'm going to do. Each week is its own slate, uh, clean slate, and we move forward.
1: Right. And just to play devil's advocate, I mean, you got to think about the other side too. If, you know, Cam Merritt is heavily heavily owned and he scores two touchdowns, you swapped him out, suddenly, you know, you're up there in a tournament, you're falling all the way out of that tournament. So it does – it can work yep. both ways. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm a little more conservative with that. You know, if I like a guy at the beginning of the day, I usually stick with him. But – So I could probably come a little more to your side, you know, if uh, if um, you know, say I'm hundredth in a tournament, and I I know there's no way I can move up with Meredith, and maybe I'll do it, but if I'm up there, uh, you know, I I don't want to risk, you know, finishing uh, near the top. So it's it's a tough it's a tough little tricky game to play, and you got to feel good about it. Uh, You could have picked a better team than the Bears, so I had a better option than Kevin White, though. (laughs) This is true. Um, So I wanted to get into some um, positions and talk about kind of how you look at each position. But first of all, uh, a real quick note from our sponsor, FanDuel. Fancy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. FanDuel is fancy football for everyday fans. For casual fans, serious fans, there are new contests starting every week. There are no busted seasons. If you draft Adrian Peterson and he uh, gets suspended like uh, I talked about earlier, you do not have to worry about that. You get a new lineup every single week. There's something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from. You have uh, tournaments. You have cash games starting at just $1 going all up to thousands of dollars. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Talk about, uh, and then, uh, so you look at week one, and uh, it's it's fun. You know, you've got your season long, but then we got the Eagles and Redskins. You want a piece of that, so you're going to play some FanDuel for that. you got the Seahawks and Packers. you got the Giants and Cowboys. Even the Cardinals and Lions, so I think it's going to be a fun, high-scoring game. You know, you can really get a piece of that action. You know, you, you, maybe you missed a guy in a season-long league. You know, that can change. You shove him in on FanDuel. You can have, uh, you can have your Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald stack if you want it. There are over two and a half million players that have won his cash prize playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash R-W. That's R-W. You'll get a free six-week, six-month, week, six sorry, rotowire subscription plus a free entry in the NFL Sunday Million Week 1, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash R-W, void where prohibited. So, Vlad, let's start a quarterback. You know, that's the, that's the guy that touches the ball all game. Um, when you're looking for your quarterback, uh, what uh, what are you looking for when you're picking a guy? You know, you got your one quarterback on say your main cash team, a team you're going to put in a couple of tournaments. Also, um, who do you want uh, as your quarterback on that night?
2: I want him to be #hashtag good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and you joke um, about that, but you joke about that. But I almost throw out the bottom half of quarterbacks each week. You know, unless someone's really cheap, I think I think quarterbacks are a place that you don't worry about money. I think you want one of your top two or three guys. So you say #hashtag good. You're joking,
2: but I think that yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that too. Exactly, and 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 that's why I threw the hash up right, in front of, of it because yeah, I'm yeah because if I'm looking at slate, especially if I'm just playing one lineup or I'm playing three, you know, there's no reason like I'm not going to be you know dipping down and and you know and, and taking my shot with a uh, Brock Osweiler or Deshaun Kaiser or Cody Kessler or whoever's starting for Cleveland that day. There's good just God. you know simply too many good. Too many good options, um, usually at the top. I don't necessarily have to take the top guy. It Doesn't always on my primary lineup have to be an Aaron Rodgers or you know in week one it's going to be Matt Ryan at the at, at uh, the Chicago Bears is, is the top option there. Um, but I do want a, a quarterback that um, is going to be in a game that I believe is going to be competitive. Um, I don't want a quarterback in a game with a, um, a, a, a high line a high point uh differential
1: yeah
2: yeah oh yeah that's what it's called spread good (laughs) good to be back from baseball to football yeah no doubt right (laughs) uh yeah i mean you know obviously you know the fast track indoors um you know say in atlanta new orleans you know those are obviously great places um you know the, the home quarterbacks are always solid in those games um and, and, and looking for those high Vegas totals as well. Um, and also I'm looking in terms of the defenses also. Because, you know, just because a game is going to be, you know, perhaps a blowout doesn't mean that there can't be a lot of action early and a lot of passing touchdowns happening um, early on. Um, that could be enough. And that could still be the, you know, um, quote-unquote nut stack of the day.
1: Right. And, you know, a good example of that is Tom Brady. You know, the Patriots win a lot of games by a lot of points. But they leave him in. He throws passes in the second half. So they're one of those teams I don't worry quite much, as much about the line. But, you know, you get someone who's a, a, you know, a 10, 12-point favorite, quarterback throws a couple of as early, you get a running touchdown, you're up 21-3, to three and all of a sudden they shut it down in the second half. So – the Patriots are kind of the one I throw out of there because they, they t- Belichick tends to like to rub it in people a little bit. He likes to get touchdowns for Brady, especially from the two-yard line, that sort of thing, especially with Nolan Garrett Blunt there this year to run in 18 or whatever he had last year. But, yeah, I mean, quarterback, I'm really looking for that. I'm really looking for that shootout game. I'm looking for, uh, you know, last year, my favorite game, you know, any time Drew Brees is at home, you know, you like that because not only is he good at home, they're indoors, he got fast receivers, fast track, but their defense is so bad, they're giving up a lot of points too. So when you get 38-35 and the quarterbacks are back and forth, that's really who I'm looking for. I usually I usually limit it maybe down to the top eight quarterbacks. I'll really dig into those guys, kind of see uh, you know game flow. What I see is as the, the best game flow for those guys. Usually, who I'm going to go with.
2: Exactly, and you know I, I know people set up lineups different ways. I mean somebody you know some people stack and they you know they multi-enter 150 lineups. Other people are just playing ten. Other people are just playing one or three. Right. Um, I like to build usually three to five lineups. Um, and I don't mind having, you know, the same quarterback on a couple of those teams. Um, so I'll usually have my, you know, two or three guys that I really like. Uh, and then if I'm playing multi-entry in a, in, in GPPs in these tournaments, um, that's where I, I could sort of, you know, go off the rails a little bit where, you know, I could, you know, perhaps enter in some lower tourneys where I could, you know, try out, you know, an, an Andy, Andy Dalton, AJ Green, you know, Tyler Boyd stack if I wanted to, Um, uh, you know, some, some Eli Manning with, with some of his boys you know, correlation there as well. And so, um, it really depends. It depends on your, on your style of play, how many lineups you're entering. Um, but, you know, honestly, there's no reason to get too cute and, uh, you know, overly contrarian with uh, the best quarterbacks, especially if you're only playing a couple lineups.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important point in a couple lineups. You know, I'm usually a three to five lineup guy also. So I'm usually uh, in those five lineups, I'll have maybe three quarterbacks. I'll play a couple guys on two and maybe a, maybe kind of a flyer on one cheaper guy, but not super cheap. Do you uh, do you care about a quarterback throwing versus running? Do you like a, a Tyrod Taylor, a old school Colin Kaepernick kind of thing? Or do you want your guy throwing the ball to your receivers you're playing also?
2: No, I mean, I love the running quarterbacks. I absolutely have no problem with that, especially if they're guys that are going to be, you know, there and, and pull off a quarterback sneak uh, at the goal line. Uh, I love those kind of guys. Yep. Uh, maybe not as much Tyrod Taylor. We'll, we'll see how that plays <laughs> out here over the next yeah, over the next couple of weeks. And that looked
1: better two weeks ago than it does, than it does today.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a whole that's a whole different ballgame. But uh, but no, I, that really doesn't make as much of a of a difference to me Um you know, I, I guess we'll we'll sort of see as we jump into the week one slate, uh, and I think it'll be interesting to figure out who you know we both like uh, for week one and and where these guys fall in terms of uh, passing versus uh, running quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At least in week one, you know, the first month of the season, we don't have to worry about weather quite as much. Uh, weather quarterbacks are kind of the one spot I do worry about weather. I think I said earlier, uh, any kind of anytime it's windy or rainy, I usually try to avoid those. If it's if it's cold and not windy, I don't mind that. If it's snow, I don't mind yeah. that. It's really the wind that uh, really affects it. Not only from the standpoint of it's hard to throw passes, but coaches just change the game plan. Guys want the coaches want to run the ball, uh, not air it out as much, um, you know. And also, you know, the last point with quarterbacks is you got to make sure your quarterback has good receivers. You need guys that are that are game breakers on the outside. You need be guys that can catch touchdowns. You need good good receivers in the red zone. You know, you can have the greatest quarterback in the world, it isn't the right receivers. It's really tough to play in Fanduel because you're just not going to get a lot of touchdown passes. So you want uh, you want you want to make sure you got a guy in a good offense. And a good quarterback, so that's a, it's a good combo right there. So running backs is kind of the hardest spot for me. I really struggle if when I struggle and do poorly in a week, it's usually because I miss on running backs. Um, how do you start? Do you if you play two running backs on Fanduel? How, is there a way you start to look at running backs? Do you have a set like I want a expensive guy, and a cheap guy, an expensive guy, and a mid range guy? You want two mid range guys, or does it really vary for you week by week?
2: No, it's really no formula for me. Um, you know, if if, if, if uh, my two favorite guys, if I'm not seeing. Uh, cheap options that i really feel comfortable with um you know you know i'm going to be looking in the top half range and and grab a couple of guys who i think are going to you know get me 100 plus yards catch a couple of passes and are going to have those goal line carries Uh, but for me it's really the, you know it's the um it's the carries you know it's guys that i know are going to be in there um you know guys that may not necessarily um you know lose many touches even if game game script starts going away from them um you know and you know those bell cow backs i mean we saw what happened last year how many winning lineups had you know the uber expensive david johnson or the Le'Veon bell i mean yeah. those guys were monster performers putting up four five x their salary you know in, in consistent you know in, in back to back to back weeks
1: yeah i don't think it can be uh, overstated enough when it comes to running backs that touches are absolute gold you need volume You want guys that not only get the ball a lot, but get the ball inside the 20. You know, something like 60% of touchdowns, 67% of touchdowns running are inside the five. 89% 89% touchdowns uh, rushes are inside the 20. You know, there are very rarely long, long touchdowns. There are some guys that can do that. The guys you mentioned before can do that. But you really want guys that touch the ball a lot. You want yards when you're getting a running back. You want your guy to get 100 yards. You want the volume. You want touches. And you really want him to get the ball inside the 20. That's really where you get you a lot of your points. Um, you know, people try and get sneaky with uh, with guys like, you know, Sproles or Woodhead. And, you know, that works a little bit better on DraftKings, like you said earlier, with, with a point per catch. But, I really think you want volume, and I just can't overstate that enough. You know, we talk on Sunday mornings usually, and we talk about some running backs, and it's always to me is, you know, make sure he's going to get that volume. I want a guy whose team is favored. I don't want to look up in the second half, my guy's down 17-6, to six, and they're throwing the ball every down. So I really want a team that's favored. I want a team that has a good offensive line. I mean, last year, you look at Ezekiel Elliott. People worry about him coming in the year as a rookie, but, I mean, with that line, he just, you know, he ate every game, and they fed him every game. It's just that line just killed people, and they, got, they wore down defense the second half, and... You want your running back getting, you know, 15 carries in the second half. That's how you win in these games.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's similar with the line. and That's going to be something where, you know, in, in, like the Seahawks, for example, this year, that means you know, especially, you know, as is for season long, I'm pretty much sticking, you know, staying away from the Eddie Lacy, Thomas Rawls, CJ Procy. So when it comes to week one DFS, when you have a team that, you know, even lost another lineman, you know, this last week, yep. a completely, you know, a sham of an offensive line, you know, th- there's no reason to even take a shot on, on those type of guys when you have so many, many other options, um, you know, and, and on the other end as well, um, you know, I, I'm keeping an eye out for what types of injuries are occurring on the opposing defenses, yep. uh, side. Um, and that's, you know, very important, um, you know, being able to, you know, have running backs that, you know, are going to get, uh, get those goal line carries or clutch, uh, especially on Fandle where, you know, this is a touchdown heavy type of format. You're looking for those guys who you think are going to get, you know, two to two to four, you know, goal line carries or offenses that are uh, efficient and proficient enough to, to sort of stretch it down the field, you know, get it to their guy and uh, be able to, 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 walk in the touchdown, similar to what we saw with LeGarrette Blunt last year, just gold.
1: Yeah. I, I, defense is really the, against the run is really the one spot I look at opposing defenses the most. Um, you know, I think the passing defense numbers can get skewed based on game script. But if you see a defense that's getting beat down on the run every week, that's usually a sign that something's <coughs> going on there. <coughs> yeah. You say the Niners, you mentioned key injuries on defense. They went from, you know, kind of okay against the run, and then Navarro Bowman got hurt, that middle linebacker who's an all-world player, and they were just dreadful against the run. After that, I mean, it's uh, when you if you lose an All-Pro middle linebacker, you know that changes stuff. You've got to you've got to pay attention to you know who's hurt on the opposing defense. You really want a running back against a you know a team that's defensive line is decimated with injury. You know, suddenly that changes everything. Your your offensive linemen are going to start to dominate. I really look at defense against the run when I'm looking at uh, looking at running backs. I love to see defenses that are just really getting beat down on the ground and uh, you know are tiring in the second half, are losing in the second half. To me, game flow and opposing defense with running back is, is really the really the most important thing. Game flow and touches, and if I can get a guy like that, you know, I try and find a cheap guy who gets that, but I'm willing to pay up. I usually go one pricey guy one mid range guy, unless a unless a cheap guy kind of emerges.
2: Yeah, and I, it, it's funny you point out the San Francisco thing because uh, you know they obviously led. Uh, I mean there were no team there was no team no rush defense that allowed more yards per game last year um, and by a whopping margin I mean it was 166 yards per game uh almost more than 20 more than the 31st place Cleveland Browns which is just absolutely insane And after a while you just see people just start going, Just, you know, almost blindly popping in whoever was was against the, you know, San Francisco. And I know that one week in week six where, where, you know, you went off and you had that incredible, um, you know, incredible outing on FanDuel. What'd you do? You popped in LaShawn McCoy. It was an easy no-brainer against San Francisco. And even though he got hurt, he still ended up with, what, three touchdowns that game. Just walking all over them. It's insane.
1: Yeah, he actually he actually scored two, then got hurt, then actually came back in and scored another one, which is uh, really made no sense. But I was loving it anyway. Um, yeah, the only running back the Niners stopped all year actually was Todd Gurley. He was terrible against them. Everybody else uh, pretty much killed him.
2: It's all it's all Fisher's fault. Anyways.
1: Yeah, Todd Gurley was uh, was uh, had forty carries against them in two games and was under three yards per carry. I will still never understand how that happened. <laughs> So uh, when it comes to when it comes to wide receivers, uh, you know, you, on Fanduel you get three wide receivers. You know, really fun position. We we love watching guys catch the ball. Um, you know, some of the correlation with the quarterback comes in. I'm usually looking for one receiver to pair with my quarterback, so that kind of takes care of one guy. Usually with my quarterback, I want the best receiver. If I'm going to play Matt Ryan, I want Julio Jones. Um, If I'm going to play, uh, you know, if I'm going to play Tom Brady, I want Brandon Cooks. You know, it's it's kind of the combo. If I'm going to have that quarterback, I want the best receiver. I don't want to take a middle receiver and suddenly the top guy catches two touchdowns. I'm really frustrated at that point. So um, how do you come into wide receivers? Uh, What do you look at aside from obviously the high total and the passing, uh, the shootouts? We talked about the quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I mean those are the main things that you you mentioned. Um, you know, I'm looking for the games where there're going to be some shootouts. I don't mind taking you know receivers on um, on opposing teams. It doesn't necessarily have to be the wide receiver one on one end and wide receiver one on the other, uh, especially if it's tournaments and I'm looking to get um you know get a little jiggy with it. Um you know sort of <laughs> zig where people zag. Um you know and, and you know not necessarily it having to be a guess. Um, perhaps I'll you know take a look at. Who I project might be the cornerback, Um, you know, if there's a cornerback that's really good, that's shadowing the number one option, perhaps the second um, receiving option might be the guy. Um, But, you know, for the most part, um, that's sort of where I start. I'm looking for the offenses that I love. And from that point on, digging in deeper to figure out exactly where I at least project um, the the passing scoring to come from um, and, and taking receivers that way.
1: Yeah, you're a little more into opposing cornerbacks than I am. We've we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit about this. We probably will during the season. I tend to think that uh, any receiver I'm going to take in a, you know, hopefully a good offense, that offensive coordinator is going to be able to figure out ways to get my guy the ball. Mm-hmm. I also think that I'm taking a receiver because I think he's good and he's going to beat that cornerback a couple times. So while, it, you know, if it's Richard Sherman over there or, you know, an elite guy, then I'll take it into account. But I very rarely do. Um, you know, maybe that might be a blind spot for me that you'll help me uh, work on during the season. But And I also tend to think that, you know, the guys will move their receivers around. They're not going to let their guy just sit against Sherman the whole game. You know, there's so many times where I don't take a guy because, you know, Seattle's Sherman's out there, and then all of a sudden I see him scoring on someone else, and I get really frustrated with that. So I wait a little bit, probably not as much as most people, so that may be a spot where uh, I'll need your help a little bit to kind of uh, really kind of maximize that.
2: Yeah, and you know, these stud receivers, I mean, they are studs for a reason. Um, I don't know if there's any easier way to put it, but – you know, think back to last week. Uh, I'm sorry, last year. Um, you know, the, your big week in week six, and my big week in week four. We both, you know, uh, took down GPPs. Think about what happened in those specific weeks. In week four, Julio Jones was coming off three extremely mediocre weeks. He's off everybody's radar. You know, everyone's you know heavy into recency bias, and you know, so because of that, Julio Jones was sort of off the radar. A, a top. Three wide receiver, one of the best in the game, is a 4% play in in, in tournaments, in a 4,000-person tournament. Blows my mind. Anyways, he ended up having 300 yards uh, that game, having his monster breakout game. Anybody with Julio essentially won money that game. And with you in week six, it was Odell Beckham. Uh, The rest of your team was obviously really solid, but Beckham was coming off of, what, one out of five weeks in which he had 100-plus yards? And he blew up that game. Um, and, and again, he was under 10 percent owned. And, you know, so a lot of times I think, you know, we got to be be smarter than than the masses and basically, you know, find our spots like, you know, when something just kind of seems obvious or something is perhaps due because, um because that's just football. That's the volatility of it. That's the wildness of it. And, you know, if if, if unless Julio Jones is, is truly hurt, if he has four not-so-good weeks in a row, you can pretty uh, darn be sure that something might happen for him the following week.
1: Not only that, but that whole week, you know he's in the offensive coordinator's ear trying to get the ball, and the offensive coordinator's getting uh-huh. frustrated. Gonna, there, there are weeks where they force those diva receivers the ball, the big-time, big-name receivers. They force them the ball. Beckham's the same way you know he he, he has a couple games where he doesn't he has 35 40 yards you kind of know the blow-ups coming he's so talented they're going to kind of focus on him but you talked about Beckham that week he was eight percent owned that week had a you know a 50 yard touchdown like an 80 yard touchdown just just monstrous with me, I, I like receivers, especially my top guy, to have big playability, especially in a tournament. I want a guy who can break a 60, 70 yard touchdown. You know, you don't get many of those on the ground, but you do get those big passing plays. That's where you, I mean, you build up that. You All of a sudden, you got 70 yards and a touchdown. You know, that's like a whole afternoon of work right there. You got it in one play. So I think, especially with tournaments, big playability. Um, with cash games, for mm-hmm. me, I look more a little bit at targets. I want guys who are going to catch a lot of balls, get a lot of options, especially in a DraftKings format, you get a point per catch. I want targets, 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 especially with my cheap guys. If I'm going to play a, a really cheap receiver, I want him to be a guy that you know maybe he doesn't have a big playability, maybe he's not great or bigger, bigger, strong, but he's going to get a lot of targets. You know, a guy like Cole Beasley, who I know, who I know you like this year, you like last year too. You know, a guy that's going to get eight to ten targets. You know, suddenly he racks up those points, especially when you got PPR. A
2: guy, a guy like Anquan Bolden. Oh wait,
1: <laughs> he's uh, he's going to he's going to like I think create world peace and solve all the world's problems. So good for him.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm all about it.
1: So, uh, you know, kind of in the same vein, we look at tight ends, you know, you're going to have guys that catch the ball. But to me, tight ends to me is about red zone. Uh, You know, unless you have Gronk or Mm -hmm. Kelsey that's going to make some big plays. I want someone like, you know, example like Kyle Rudolph, who I know you like coming to this year, a guy who's going to get looks in the red zone. You know, tight ends don't get as many targets as as receivers do for the most part. They don't hit as many big plays, but they do get touchdowns. They get looks inside the ten. I want a guy that my quarterback on third and third and goal from the eight. is kind of his security blanket. I want a guy that gets red zone targets when I'm looking for my tight end. I usually go back in the game logs. I look at not only targets, but red zone targets can find a guy who I think mm-hmm. might score that week.
2: Yeah, you nailed it on the head. It's really, you know, these guys that have, uh, you know, that are the, sa- the, the security blankets, safety blankets, whatever type of blanket you want of their <laughs> quarterbacks uh guys that that love them that you know when they're when they're in the flat they know that they're going to be there they're going to catch the ball and they're you know they're reliant and they're all big guys i mean you know obviously to you know play the tight end position i mean what you know what the average guy is like you know six 250 so you know these are guys you know big bodied guys guys that have you know extension and reach and and you know can make the big plays in the red zone and so you know i you know for the most part, with the tight ends, if I can get you know somebody that I think is going to be you know he- getting a heavy part of uh, of the targets and especially in the red zone, that's going to be my guy. But I think a lot of our season long prep um, can perhaps put us in a situation where we can find those guys you know at, this year. If you know if Eric Ebron uh, gets over his hamstring issue and is ready for Week One, you know with Bolden not in the picture and you know he's somebody who I think can can, can step up and and, and be you know be in the mix you know a guy like jared cook for example who i think a lot of people are overlooking altogether in season-long leagues and you know he's a big body target a uh, big guy i think he can catch the ball and for a guy his size doesn't have that bad of speed and i think you know the raiders are going to have a lot of those a lot of that luck a lot of that uh you know good fortune that they had last year a lot of the del rio you know you know last second uh, cowboy play calling that won them games <laughs> right i think is going to balance out a little bit and it's you know it could even balance out in terms of everybody's on Amari Cooper to oh he just doesn't catch anything in the red zone he's going to be another five touchdown guy Amari Cooper is a talent to score 12 i mean anything can happen i know i'm i'm, I'm segueing here my point is i like a guy like Jared Cook um, i'm not going to go out of my way to play a cheap uh, tight end um, you know unless i really have to and um, or um, as long as i n- know that they're going to get those targets and are going to get looks uh, in the red zone
1: I'm a big believer in the in the mid range tight end. I usually don't go at the top. I don't go at the bottom. I like a mid range guy, someone who's priced maybe the fourth to tenth guy. that I think is a top three tight end for that week is usually where I kind of find my value at tight end. What the other the other thing I like one more note on tight ends is I like a guy who's who's has a wide receiver that's hurt. Like if you have someone, uh, if you have a Julio Jones gets hurt one week, you know suddenly Austin Hooper gets a lot more work. I think it's a really sneaky find. Usually the the prices mm-hmm. are not upped on a guy. You know you will still get a good price on a guy, but if a number one or number two receivers hurt, you know those targets suddenly switch to that switch to that tight end. Quarterback wants someone he's used to rather than another receiver coming in. I think that you can kind of find sneaky mid mid range value tight ends if you have, if you look at what receivers are injured that week too.
2: Absolutely, and I think also it it doesn't hurt to take a look at as the season goes on at least, uh, taking a look at how opposing defenses uh, uh, handle the tight ends. Um, you know, I, I there's always you know every year you see the teams that are you know constantly allowing touchdowns to the tight ends. It's not something that we're going to know uh, or, or are going to want to project based on last year's stats. Uh, of course, um, you know you're not going to go into week one playing. Uh, a tight end against the team that allowed the most uh, you know tight end touchdowns and yards last year right but as the season develops you know you start to see trends and and for whatever reason it just always seems like the same teams are giving up the same um, you know volume to opposing tight ends and and in those cases we're not necessarily looking at the touchdowns that are being scored but more so um, you know the passes that are being thrown their way um, the, the targets and and the receptions.
1: Yeah, NFL offensive corners are really good, and they, you can usually figure out if a team's not stopping a tight end for a reason. They kind of just go back to that until it gets stopped. So it's a good segue on defense, though. So what do you do with team defense? You know, obviously it's it's kind of the thing we think about last in fantasy football. In season-long drafts, you know, the defense goes in the 15th, 16th round. But In a game like FanDuel, you know, suddenly your defense gets a bunch of sacks and scores a touchdown. You know, that's a big contributor. It can make a big difference between a good week and a great week, or it can make a good week a bad week. It seems like that defense push, whoever gets that defense that really breaks out and goes off one week, and it can be tough to predict, um, can sometimes really move up in a tournament.
2: Yeah, and I would say that the defense position is the bane of my DFS existence, but that would (laughs) actually be the kicker. (laughs) <laughs> um, but on defense, you know, it, it's a work in progress. I feel like I've gotten better at it over the years. And I think I'm looking for more of a floor as opposed to, um, you know, trying for some sort of ceiling. Right. Um, I'm looking for a defense that isn't going to give me a zero that isn't going to that is going to contribute in some form or fashion, you know, racking up the sacks and um, as we know projecting a, a pick six is almost impossible not going to be able to do it you know not everyone's going to be like you know the eagles of a couple years ago right um and you know so we're looking for for teams that are that are favorites uh you know substantial favorites perhaps teams that are are at home you know within their own environments uh you know teams that have really strong uh players on defense you know i you know for example yeah, the chart the Chargers. Um, it- it's funny actually to see LAC now everywhere because it I is. keep wanting to say Clippers. you and me both. Um, We'll get used to. <laughs> we'll get used to it in a couple of weeks. But uh, you know, a, a team like the-, the the Chargers that have incredible corners, even you know case you know Casey Hayward and you know the rest of the bat- bunch there, along with the you know the front line defenders Joey Bosa and company. I mean, like that's a really good defense when they're playing at home against a you know bad quarterback. Um, that's always a good. A- good, good place for me. Um, you know, week one, even I, I'm drafting season long teams. I'm, I'm taking the Rams in a couple of spots because of their uh, potential week one opponent. And it's something that I could potentially use in DFS because if Andrew Luck isn't healthy and they're going to have Scott Tolzien in there and the Rams are are playing the uh, the Colts at home. And I think the Colts are tanking this year as is. <laughs> I want that Rams defense in a week one. And I know we're talking about it a couple of weeks early, but um, I want to see how things play out with Luck. And the same thing in season long. There's no reason why you can't, uh, you know, play defenses week to week. Start off with the Rams and go from there. But that's me segueing again. Let's take it. Let's reel it back in, Scott.
1: So, so, so I have a key with defense that I really focus on, and that's sacks. Um, I look at I look at how maybe the last four to six weeks of defense are doing getting sacks, and I look at the other team how they're doing uh, allowing sacks. I think you you mentioned floor. To me, sacks are just automatic points. If a team's getting four or five sacks a week three to four sacks a week, whatever it may be. Those are automatic points. But not only that, sacks cause fumbles. Sacks cause quarterbacks to throw the ball too quick. Sacks cause the quarterbacks to start getting happy feet and throw bad passes, make bad decisions. To me, it's all about getting a pass rush. I love teams that develop that, get sacks. I think that's where the big plays happen. You can never guarantee a big play. But if I know the quarterback is throwing the ball a half second too early or running out, running out of the pocket, throw the ball in the run, that's the kind of teams I want. I really started to get into that last year. and I really started to do well on defense the second half of the season really focusing on who's getting the sacks now who's whose passion is really coming on and also who's allowing a lot of sacks you can really find that there's some offensive lines get some injuries they really start to struggle in the midpoint of the year uh to me i start to build my defense on sacks for all those reasons
2: yeah no those are a- a- absolutely excellent points and you know just the final thing on defense uh, you know we're also a lot of times we'll have the opportunity to sort of um you know uh Double bag it, I guess you could say in terms of, uh, you know, a, a, an elite receiver uh, who also returns punts, somebody like a Tyreek Hill yep. who will get you the points both as uh, a wide receiver and as the defense. So you kind of get the, you know, you know, the double end of it or, you know, Tyler Lockett from a couple of years ago, if he's healthy, him with Seattle is, is, is um, something that people might be using this year if he's going to get that opportunity to, to return punts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't forget this elite return, guys. I mean, if they, a kick return or a punt for touchdown is the same as a pick six. So it's uh, super valuable there. They are tough to come by. But you when you have someone like Tyreek Hill, who, you know, it seemed like for a while there was a turning one every other week, uh, really important. So uh, before we get out of here, we're kind of running a little bit long, but uh, you and I tend to do that, and hopefully people don't mind us talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kickers, you mentioned, is kind of the bane of your existence. FanDuel does have kicker. DraftKings does not. But, uh, you know, on kicker, I think it's important to not just totally throw it out. Um, I don't think about it a ton. I really go very simple. I want a guy who's either indoors or in warm weather, who's on a good but not a great team. I don't always love mm-hmm. um you know a team that thinks to score a bunch of touchdowns. I kind of like a team that uh, a quarterback that's really good between the 20s and kind of struggles in the red zone doesn't have, you know, doesn't have Ezekiel Elliott where you can you can just pound it in the red zone. I like a team to stall in the red zone and get my kicker, but it can be tough week to week, you know, sometimes they bog down sometimes they don't, but it's kind of what I'm looking for and usually I end up kind of in the middle somewhere, which is kind of all I, want. I just don't want to get killed at kicker. I-
2: yeah, I mean, I'm always looking. You know, I I know a lot of times people have the strategy of you know they're looking at kickers, they're looking at you know on Fanduel for example the min salary the 4500 guy and just sort of plucking off the best guy there. Right. And I think over the last season or so, you've seen a little bit of a trend move towards it's like, hey, I'm just going to try to fit in Justin Tucker because he goes off every single week. Um, and so to me, I'm not completely a uh, I'm I, I may call it the bane of my existence, but I actually. N- enjoy having the position because it throws, it's a little bit of variance and there are a lot of people that just kind of, you know, plug and play it. And I think it's a, you know, it's an important position to actually figure out and project where you think those points are going to come from. Um, And like you said, those offenses that, uh, you know, aren't necessarily going to, you know, blow opposing teams out of the water and could stall a little bit there and provide those opportunities to get those, you know, 40, 50 yards, um, I think are really important. And, and you know, looking at guys like, you know, uh, you know, somebody with big legs are also super important to me guys with, uh, you know, really strong legs, like a Jana Kowski, who, you know, still in, 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 all of his many years is, is still doing really well and has great accuracy. Um, and same with somebody like Matt Prater, who I think is the strongest leg in the league. And, you know, these aren't necessarily off, you know, red zone juggernauts. And so, um, you know, the, these offensive teams. And so guys like that, I think, are, are absolutely viable. But I think forgetting about kicker and just sort of just plugging one in is, is a bad move. It's a very negative uh, EV move. And it's important that people really uh, study up and, and, and play the best ones
1: yeah I usually find myself kind of going the forty seven to forty eight hundred dollars range you know kicker that's good and on a good team and has a good matchup that week. i usually I don't always go up to an expensive one but I usually don't play a forty five hundred one either unless it's someone that really jumps out to me. I'm kind of a kind of a mid range special spent a couple of extra hundred bucks on a kicker and it usually works out, but like I said, I'm just trying not to get killed though you don't want to get shut out a kicker.
2: yeah yeah, and indoors, warm weather, um, you know these are the things that definitely absolutely help uh, things that we need to consider as well.
1: So that's kind of a, that's kind of how we go about starting uh, starting to put together a team. Kind of what we look for at each position. Um, hopefully, there'll be a good uh, good startup and good uh, good basis to kind of start thinking about DFS for Week One. Uh, we're gonna have one more podcast, one preseason podcast next week. Vlad and I'll kind of talk about some teams that we're really kind of focusing on for the first quarter of the year. So teams we might think are looking for a breakout defenses we may want to play against that sort of thing. So kind of really starting to think about uh, think about the start of the season. We won't do week one. We'll do week one actually during week one when uh, we have all the prices in front of us. We have all the injuries, all that kind of stuff. You know, we talked about Ola Beckham. We'll see what's up. What's up with him for week one? But uh, so next week we'll kind of get try to get it really into kind of uh, some maybe some sleeper or surprise offense as a whole and some defense we want to go against. So uh, Vlad, anything else you want to toss in for this week?
2: No, uh, I would just say uh, for for people that are starting to look and and, and getting that itch. Um, don't go too crazy trying to set week one lineups now with three weeks ahead of time. Uh, still a lot of action. If you want some of that action, um, go ahead and enter some preseason contests. (laughs) Um, But looking at week one, um, three weeks ahead, I think is a little bit of a fool's errand Um, too far in advance, especially if you have your season long drafts, use that time to, you know, study the offenses more, uh, you know, pay attention, read as much as you can and figure out what it is exactly you like so that when the actual DFS and football season starts, uh, you have a, a lot of confidence and can make the right decisions to help you win some money this year.
1: Absolutely. We're going to be here every week along the way to try and help you uh, help you do that ourselves. Hopefully win some money ourselves, too. So hope we can do that together. Hopefully we can get you pointed in the right direction. Get, uh, get a lot of good plays and get some sneaky plays too. Vlad especially is really good at finding kind of that guy that's off the radar each week that uh, tends to go off. He has a reputation of, of nailing some really uh, really off-the-wall plays that uh, I kind of roll my eyes and I look up and the guy scores two touchdowns. I think there's a, <laughs> there's probably a Doriel Green-Beckham touchdown there at some point that uh, that I'm still rolling my eyes about. <laughs> so anyway, thanks everybody for listening to the uh, Rotowire DFS football podcast sponsored by FanDuel. Uh if you could please rate or review the podcast if you enjoyed it we would greatly appreciate that Uh, other than that we will be back at you next week Uh, if you want to follow us on on Twitter I am at Scott Genstead Genstead is J-E-N-S-T-A-D and Vlad is at RotoGut R-O-T-O-G-U-T other than that uh, thanks for listening hope you enjoyed Uh, make sure to hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions anything comes up we'd be happy to hear from you take care